So John, would you rather lose all your fingers in a freak accident with a door or have your balls electrocuted, rendering them useless? I think I could stand losing my fingers. I feel like my fingers are easier to replace. Mm-hmm. I could have prosthetic You still fingers. find a way to, you, you, you know. You know, you could get like robot fingers. I, I think I like that losing all my fingers. I'd have, like, you I'd genuinely wear, look very excited by this. Yeah, I could wear like dramatic gloves all the time and be like a super villain. And, oh, very well, that's that decided. Yeah, definitely that over losing my balls. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we put prequels, sequels and spin-offs to one of films that don't have any. I'm Harry, and joining me as always is John. Hello. And John, you found a guest for us this week. Yes, welcome to the podcast, uh, Chris from Easy Rider Raging Podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you, yeah. Uh, so tell us a little about what is Easy Rider's Raging Podcast, tell us about it. It's a classic film podcast. I decided when I was, I was thinking, what, what is it about? Mm. But yeah, we look at old films, we did a whole series just looking at 60s films, uh, looking back at them and watching films we always meant to watch and then doing a series of fun features on them. And we've now moved on to a second series, which is all 70s films. Much like ourselves, we just talk about a film each week and then we do a series of features at the end. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's great fun. We just recorded a guest slot where we discussed the John Travolta classic Saturday Night Fever. So look out for that. And as always, whenever we have a guest on, we allow them to choose the film. So uh, what have you chosen for us for Beyond the Box Set? So they picked the 2005 Shane Black film, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Ooh, okay, interesting. Why did you choose Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Well, I started trying to think when we were talking, uh, films I liked that didn't have sequels. Sure. And also films that I thought I would quite like to see sequels of. Mm. This was one of the few films that came to mind, and it was a film I hadn't seen for a good few years, so I thought, oh, that would be a good fun film for at least myself to rewatch. Mm-hmm. Cool, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Harry, what did you think? Uh, ultimately I thought it slightly missed the mark okay how so I thought it was very close to being something like to, to being called a comedy or to being called an action film but it never quite got it I thought because mm-hmm. the, the two of you had never seen this before oh yeah this was our first time watching mm. Yeah. Mm. so what do you think it never landed on whether it was a comedy or an action it kind of fell somewhere in the middle and yeah sort of somewhere in the middle yeah and th- there were a few bits which were absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. for example the bit at the end where they start bringing in all the people who have died and they bring in Abraham Lincoln as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's that's great comedy, but it doesn't fit at all with the rest of the film. I don't know. There was a lot I liked, but ultimately I didn't particularly like it. Okay. It's an interesting structure. It's kind of hard to categorise because this is the normally point where I would sum up the plot, but it's so hard because the plot is really, it's really fast moving and the plot is very convoluted. It's I, bet, of... I guess you could give the plot, there is an overview, like yeah. it's about these two people teaming up. Yeah. So basically it stars Robert Downey Jr. as a guy called Harry, who's like a petty criminal. Who, uh, great name, yes. Um, he's a petty criminal, like all Harry's, and he accidentally finds himself in an audition for a film, which he accidentally gets the part or is offered the part, and goes to LA. The film opens at like a fancy LA kind of celebrity party, like, mm-hmm. where he meets a private detective played by Val Kilmer mm-hmm. called uh, Gay Perry, who is gay. He was a gay, gay, gay. And uh, just in case you didn't get that memo, he is a gay. The film will never let you forget the that. The film will never let you forget that Val Kilmer is playing Gay Perry, who is gay. Guy smoking that's Dabney Shaw, my producer. He discovered me. The man with him is Perry Van Shrike, a.k.a. Gay Perry. Honest to God, private eye, consultant film, TV, just incorporated. He's big time. Also, he's gay. 
so he meets Gay Perry, and uh, how many times on the podcast can I say Gay Perry? This is going to be your drinking game. Yeah. He meets Val Kilmer, and what did happen? He meets Val Kilmer, and and, and he's assigned to go with him as sort of uh, to see what it's like solving crimes. Oh, that's yeah, because he's he's up for a part in a, some kind of police procedural as mm. a detective. So he, he gets assigned to ride along with Val Kilmer, Gay Perry, to experience, as you say, what that really is like as research. So the two of them are on a ride along, and then they come across what appears to be a kidnapping. Is it? Oh no, they see a car being driven into a. Mm lake and it turns out there's a dead woman in the boot of the car Val Kilmer's character shoots the boot to kind of open it to try and let her out accidentally shoots her in the head but I think she was already dead mm. but then obviously they are implicated in the murder so they hide the body there's also t- the two people who actually kidnapped her in face masks are seen running away and then there's a separate plot line in which Harry Robert Downey Jr. is reunited with his old high school crush played by Michelle Monaghan and her Amelia Clark-esque eyebrow acting <laughs> which we'll talk about. He meets up with her. She's like a struggling actress in LA. Shortly thereafter, her sister is killed. Mm-hmm. And she, thinking that Harry has told her that he's actually a detective. So she enlists him to help solve that murder. So there's two separate murders have happened that are apparently unrelated. And then there's just a lot of convoluted. There's lots of plots, um, crossovers, the body, the original body of the girl in the boot of the car, reappears in Harry's shower. So they realise they're being framed for the murder by the real murderers. And then... It turns out that the girl who has been murdered is the daughter of the man who was running the party there, this very rich Hollywood lawyer or Hollywood executive. She's his daughter. And it turns out that he had her killed to get his inheritance from his dead wife. I mean, I've seen this film about four or five times. Yeah. I couldn't actually tell you what's going on beyond these two guys are teaming up to solve something. Yeah, you've really helped me there, but I still don't know. Ultimately, I wonder, because it's a very convoluted plot. Yeah. But I wonder if that's possibly the point, perhaps? Yeah, I felt like I was watching this film at 1.5 speed. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was so convoluted and they don't really pause for breath. There's not a lot of exposition there, so it just keeps moving. Stylistically, it's got this real kind of Raymond Chandler noir kind of vibe, but also with a very modern kind of tongue-in-cheek meta kind of film within a film thing with Robert Downey Jr. doing a voiceover throughout the film and constantly reminding us that we're watching a film. He goes back and edits scenes in real time, mentions things such as there's a scene that Harry referenced earlier in which a character comes back from the dead. The Valkyrie character appears to be dead, and at the end of the film, spoiler alert, he's alive. And then they make a comment on how predictable that is, and then they suddenly Abraham Lincoln and all the characters in the film, Elvis Presley, all walk into their It's like, oh, they're all alive. Yeah. So, and it's just, it's very jokey, it's very tongue-in-cheek, it's very meta. I enjoyed it, but it was really hard to follow. I wish I'd had time to watch it twice, because the plot was really convoluted, probably deliberately. Or twist. I think it's probably better if you go the other way, and perhaps just kind of go with the tide. Yeah. That you appreciate... The, the lines and the, the chemistry between the leads. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily worry too much about the intricacies of the A to B to C. Because yeah. I don't think it's that important. True. What it's, makes more, th- it's more the journey, not the yeah. destination. Absolutely. What makes this film work is that Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer and Michelle Monaghan are all pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch them just hanging out. And the draw is them, basically. Would you agree? Yeah, it was, it was fun for the cast, at least. Yeah. I certainly enjoyed that. And Robert Downey Jr. IDJ, I'm going to call him. Does a pretty great job in this. Well, actually. this is the film that got him Iron Man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because he well, was... Well, actually, there's three years between them. But, no, but, no, no. But, he, but he was washed up. Yeah. He'd had uh, drink and drugs and prison. Mm-hmm. And so his career was done. He was on Ali McBeal. He got fired. Mm-hmm. And his career was done. So he, he did this. It came out in 2005. Yes. And then, I guess, maybe about 
one or two years no, later. No one wanted to hire him. Yeah. So, somehow Marvel hired him for Iron well, Man. Well, they, they, they didn't really want to hire him for Iron Man. Yeah. It and was John both, Favreau. Mm, John yeah. Favreau, who directed the first two the first two Iron Man films, yeah, yeah. saw this film and really liked him in it and said, that's my Iron Man. Because mm. he's giving a similar performance, isn't he? He's mm. yeah, do, yeah. definitely doing it. He's like a George Clooney type. Robert Downey Jr. is... He has a, a yeah, he has a style. There's a definitely mm-hmm. Robert. Well, like like all movie stars. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a movie a star. Yeah, exactly. And he's he's like that's the persona I want for my Iron Man. So yeah, he basically got it through this film. So mm. yeah, even though this film wasn't a huge hit, it's kind of a cult hit. But yeah, without this, cool. there wouldn't be Iron Man. Without and without him as Iron yeah, Man, don't need to tell me this. <laughs> well, yeah, because originally Johnny Knoxville was cast as Harry in this film. All right, okay, Jackass is Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> that would have been a very different film. And so in an alternate universe somewhere. He ended up playing Tony Stark, <laughs> possibly with Steve-O as War Machine. Oh my God. But I tell you what, that's still better than Justice League. So. No, no. That's very true, very true. Do you know that um, Iron Man 3 was actually directed by Shane Black? I did. And does share a lot of similarities to this film. Uh-huh. Mainly has a lot of similarities to Shane Black films with like a commentary mm-hmm. being set at Christmas, mm-hmm. which I think is Shane Black's thing. Yeah. Well, he's the king of like the buddy cop movie. I mean, yeah. this is his first directorial debut but for, in his scripts he'd had a long history of writing Lethal Weapon and Long Kiss Goodnight they're all about these sort of cop crime fighting people being teamed up and mm-hmm. bickering 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 but solving cases and mm. so that's his milieu I guess yeah. bitch client hires me has me witness a murder can I use a dry towel this towel no this the is towel a... is for the seat. This towel is for your shoes, and then you handed it to me for my face. Get, this th- towel is wet. Can I use this? This is dry? dirty. No. Can I dry the hat? No. Stop towel? dripping. Shit, better be improving your acting. Any particular standout scenes that you enjoyed? Like... Yeah, my favorite scene was one of the scenes where they take some kind of cliche and flip it on his head. Uh-huh. Which, for me, it was one in the car park where he loads the pistol <laughs> and tries to do sort of a Russian, a Russian roulette kind of threat sort of thing. And then just shoots him first time. <laughs> yeah, I think that was my biggest laugh too. Especially because like a few scenes earlier, he has a mental breakdown because he kills somebody. Yeah. That's the first person he kills. And, yeah, fair enough. And then just all of a sudden, he's now killed the second person. And it's completely by accident. Mm-hmm. And it's just because he can't do maths. Yes. Yeah. What was the number he thought it was? 8%. 8%, yeah. And Mel <laughs> Kilmer's just yeah, horrified by that. Yeah. Look, I don't know anything about a girl, seriously. I was bluffing. You know what? I think... That you are bluffing right now. Harry, what are you doing? Well, what I'm doing for the guy who likes to bluff is I'm playing a little game called Am I Bluffing? Huh? Where is she? Where the fuck is Harmony? Harry. You wanna play hardball? I can do that. Where is the girl? What did you just do? I just I put in one bullet, didn't I? I you put, put a one. live round in that gun. Oh, well, yeah, there was like an 8% chance. 8%? Wasn't it just 8? 8? Yeah. Who taught you math? more, I don't know. Yeah, some of the because that's one of like the, the the three big comic beats, like him losing the finger, yeah, and him winning on a corpse. Yes, but mm. I remember at the time because I saw this when it came out of the cinema. All three of those bits were spoiled in the trailer. Oh, really? No. But I remember at the time watching it, thinking, that especially the Russian roulette bit, mm. that would have been so much more enjoyable for me if I hadn't seen it in advance. Well, that's true. But then I'm thinking, what else in this film other than those three points could you put in trailers to? To put bums in seats but I guess you you've got the name you've got the cast and you, it, I guess it's just the sense of style because yeah. the film does have a particular mm. sense of style mm. an almost sort of Tarantino sort of knowing wit you know that kind of like postmodern yeah. take on 
Mm-hmm. But I don't think the film was very successful at the cinema. No, no it was a slow burn kind of cult kind of thing. And so whatever they put in the trailer clearly didn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's hard to sell. It's one of those drama crossover films. It's hard to categorize. It's mm. hard to describe. Well, we, we've already failed, or I've tried and failed. It's really hard to, in one or two lines, what is this film about? It's mm. kind of hard to say. It's, but it is. It's, it's just a film that's fun to watch and, and to experience. And both names, both of the two leads, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, Alan McBills, Robert Downey Jr., yeah. and Batman Forever's Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer. They were not hugely bankable names at, at time. the time. Mm. You know, they weren't sort of locks. Yeah. And Shane Black hadn't directed a film before. So it's a hard sell it was, to some yeah. degree. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I did find it a lot of fun, even watching it back. Uh, the line I wrote down here, I was tired, I was hungry, I was more wet than Drew Barrymore at a grunge club. <laughs> it's just kind of these lines like, no one else is writing that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, no, it's a singular voice. It's, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I agree. I mean, I think my biggest laugh was the Bush Mula and the other one was when he lost his finger. Mm. And when the dog ate his finger as well. Yeah. He seemed to like... What I liked about that, he, he did seemed, not really care. No, he seems like you know, he seemed to get over it. He just kind of rolled his eyes, like he didn't freak out that much about losing his finger. He was kind of. It's because so much had already happened, and yeah. he was just dealing with everything. He's like, "Oh, and this too. I just don't have space for this." Yeah, it's just okay. I'll let that happen. Whatever. Because he didn't get the finger back, did he? No, no. no he the dog gone. ate it, and he because because the dog sort of teased him with it for like it was sticking out of the dog's mouth quite comically yeah. <laughs> for ages mm-hmm. and then he was just on the phone to Val Kilmer oh, Val Kilmer's like shoot the dog yeah well Val Kilmer was like make sure that your fingerprint isn't anywhere yeah. and he was just like it's in the dog's mouth right now and then dog hates it it's not a problem anymore fingerprint's gone <laughs> <laughs> and the two of them especially you just even there they're on a scene over the phone they've got a great back and forth mm-hmm. just yeah. both actors just got good comic timing and perhaps not necessarily at this time known for doing comedy yeah Initially, for the first half hour, I didn't like Val Kilmer very much. There's two ways that Hollywood people play who aren't gay, who are cast as gay people. They either fall into the trap of playing a real, like, offensive stereotype, a really over-the-top, like, flailing, mincing kind of, you know, or they'll just not give it any characterization at all, and they'll refuse to do that, and they'll just play completely straight. And both, I find, problematic for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at first, I thought Val Kilmer was doing the latter. I thought, okay, he's gay and that's the running joke, but Val Kilmer's not playing the character as particularly camp or anything. But then as the film went on, I noticed he was putting little, just enough little details in that I found really fun. He wasn't a stereotype by any means. He, and I liked that. I really liked that he was, you know, he was a, he was a gay man who was also like, he's very strong. He was yeah. very, you know, really capable, really strong, really like ruthless. Together. Like, together, a great agent. But he also had that, just those little hints of like, you know, sassiness and sarcasticness that it was just that I came to really enjoy and he had really great like subtle chemistry with, with Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a lot of films like these it would descend into a lot of like screaming and shouting and pratfalls and there wasn't really a lot of that it was just it was just this constant like low-key passive aggression between the two of them which I really enjoyed. So, yeah. But at the same time I think Black feels really sort of pleased with himself that he yeah. came up with the idea because the character because it's adapted from a book yeah but there was not a gay Perry in the book right sure and so Black came up with that as the idea for the film mm-hmm. this is going to be the guy this guy partners with I think he felt so pleased with himself mm-hmm. that he allowed himself to have pretty much everyone else bar Monaghan be if not homophobic which some yeah. of them actively are then at least freaked out by the idea yeah. of people being gay no, oh the, yeah I mean that's the thing The first, that's why I found him annoying in the first half hour because it was like his sole personality trait and as it went on I think the strength of Val Kilmer's performance and the fact that it was very funny I got over it but yeah there were lots of like you know, oh, oh that was a really gay sentence so that was a really, that's the gayest thing I've ever heard oh, and there's you know it's always a real treat when mm. there's a same sex kiss followed by retching I always find that charming 
I mean, I'm setting you up, dummy. This is They're real life. They're not setting me up. Real life. People you know, freak out. Shut they up. improvise. You change your tune every five minutes. Okay. Kiss me. What? Kiss me. No, no, no. 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 Check out Doris and Lucinda over here. These lessons suck. I quit. This is not being a detective. Corpses floating in lakes, people kissing people. This is wrong. This is every shade of wrong. On the Val Kilmer note, I don't want to be cruel, but what's wrong with his face? It looks like he's somebody who used to be a lot thinner than he is, but yeah. just in the face. Well, I think he's fluctuated. I didn't. I read he lost a lot of weight to play the role, and then gave it face, back. I guess. Well, uh, I guess losing weight isn't a straightforward. I don't know if I've ever lost any, just gained it. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> it's weird, just he's got a very large head. I think it's the same, this is all just my opinion, allegedly, I don't know, but I think it's the same with John Travolta, where I think they've both at, at some point had some kind of plastic surgery, like some kind of a facelift or something, and then they've gained weight. And I think when you gain weight and you've had plastic surgery, or Botox, whatever it might be, it makes your face stretch out in an unusual way. Because mm-hmm. his face looked like a, almost like square. That's what, it was like his face was drawn onto a balloon or something. That's, what, that's the best <laughs> way I could describe it. Like his eyes and mouth were drawn, drawn onto a balloon. balloon. You know, you draw a face on a balloon. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's what it looked like to me. It was, it, it's insane. Like, because normally if you gain weight and your face fills out a little bit, it's more like, you know, maybe around the jowls and the chin. But his was just like, it was just like a stretched canvas. It was like the face of Bo from Doctor Who or something. Which was <laughs> very distracting. It was weird. Like, yeah, he's definitely an odd looking chap. But without him and. Downey Jr. in the lead. Yeah. The film would that they are the film as far as I absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's those two. Michelle Monaghan's good. She yeah. doesn't really get the same kind of amount to do, but it's those two and some great voiceovers, some very witty voiceover, mm-hmm. and some some very clever lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Harry? Did your father love you? Uh, sometimes you know when I dressed up like a bottle. How about yours? Well, he used to beat me in Morris Code, so it's possible, but he never actually said the words. Harry. But yeah, what did you think of Michelle Monaghan? Which one? The, the girl. The, the woman. The one, the, woman. The, one, the one woman in the film. The, yes, the one woman. Who wasn't dead. I could swear she was Liv Tyler for like the whole thing. She does have a Liv Tyler look about her, yeah. Mm. I did, I just really noticed once again, it was real, a lot of acting in the eyebrows. Yeah. Very expressive eyebrows, much like Amelia Lilly. When we, I mean, Amelia. Clark. Amelia Clark. Who's Amelia Lilly? That's no idea. Not a person. A friend? Possibly. I think I might have been thinking of Evangeline Lilly. When we saw Amelia Clark in Me Before You, and it was all the acting was up here, lots of eyebrow raising and acting. Mm. She was good. She was very funny in places. As confusing as the plot was, and as hard to follow as the plot was, the one moment I, went, I literally went, wait, what? I need to rewind it, was when it was revealed that Robert Downey Jr. and Harry had to school <laughs> together. Oh, because they'd been having a conversation at a bar, yeah. which implied they were strangers. Oh, no, it wasn't the... F- I could totally understand that they... Well, they're the same age. It's the, the fact that they're supposed to be the same age, that it was, I was like, what? No. Like, she, well, he's she, yeah, a clear he's got 10, 10 years, 15 yeah. years older than her, and looks at like, Also, was anybody a little frustrated? The opening scene mm. with a little girl getting chopped in half as a magic show that she didn't actually get chopped in half. Has that ever been done on film? Monster. I'm sure it has. I'm getting bored of the trope of somebody just screaming like, oh my God, the trick's gone wrong. And then all of a sudden, no, it's not gone wrong. Actually, that was the whole trick. Yeah. It's boring. I want to see someone get chopped in half. Okay, you, I thought I was dark. But well, watch, watch, watch Saw. A small child. Watch Saw. Have they done it in Saw yet? What, killed a kid? No, I mean like done a magic trick. I don't know, I watched one of those films and that was enough. Yeah, I'm not a fan of torture porn. That scene made me really anxious, actually, because it's a little girl. And I, th- I thought that was what they were going to do, and that was going to be... Yeah, they were, they were playing on your expectations. Yeah, totally. Well, 
I didn't know what film I was watching at this point True. either, so uh could have been anything. Yeah. And now for my shocking finale. Not for the squeamish, not for the faint of heart. I call my trick the jaws of death. Now say it, say it. Harold Jesus us might save me from this hopeless plight. No harm will come to you. I'm going to be an actress. I did feel like this film really objectified Michelle Monaghan a lot. I mean, there's literally a scene where she's crying about her dead sister and the camera pans in on her nipple. And I know it's, it's the joke about Harry because he is Robert Downey Jr.'s character because he, he's that kind of an arsehole and he is just like, you know, he's just noticing that her nipple's hanging free and it, it's it's a punchline, but there's a lot of that. There's lots of... I really say that's making him an arsehole. I think the film really goes out of its way to try and make him not look like an arsehole well, they, they... For, for a lot of it. They... They, they want you to. They want. Much. They want you to know that he's trying to fight his base instincts. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not wearing a low cut top right now, but if my nipple fell out now, you'd probably notice. I'd probably be distracted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay. But yeah, I think the film goes out of its way, sometimes to its detriment, to mm-hmm. say, "Look, this guy is not an asshole." Okay. Which I don't know. Sometimes it just didn't, it didn't quite fit. I don't. Something I thought they get the mix of like he generally is, but he's trying. You know what I mean? Like I really, there's a really good scene where some creeps trying to sneak his hand up past out Michelle mm-hmm. Monaghan's dress mm-hmm. and Downey makes a big stand about protecting her mm-hmm. and it's just a hard cut to him just getting the shit beaten yeah. out of him. And, that was and funny. it's funny yeah, yeah, and, it's an, and it's good for character because you're like oh he's trying but he's not a tough guy he's not yeah. He's not Perry Perry's mm. a tough guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Downey's not It's. I think it's a typical Robert Downey Jr. character where he's like he's a lovable bastard so yeah He's a bit of a bastard, but he's like you, mm. like you love him for it. He's I mean, in, this, in the same way that he is as Iron Man. Yeah, I think it's very different as Iron Man. Okay, because in Iron Man he is quite sexist, and sure. he, he, it happens in like the the second scene of the film where he's just banging some random reporter mm-hmm. who wants to do a, a piece on him. Okay, sure. but it's, this film it's it's very much just like he's very good to women, and this is how all men should be to women, True. Uh, which is great to see. Yeah, just at some point, it kind of took me out of it. But then he's the not. Point... But he's, you still think that because like he did sleep with her friends. He like he was trying to impress True. Michelle Monaghan, whose character's name's Harmony, I believe. Mm. And the, the first night they all hook up, or they all, they all hang out. He sleeps with her friends. Yeah, that is that's true. not that's that not exactly true. dynamite. I, I did forget about that. Mm. Thank you. And also, he does slut shame a little bit when he's like, "I don't want to sleep with you because just another one of the guys you sleep with." And I know that's like supposed to be romantic. It's also a little bit like, you know, don't, don't, you let her decide how she wants to lead her sex life. Don't you? Don't don't tell her she's wrong for how much sex she may or may not be having, or, then, or may or may not have had twenty years twenty ago. years ago. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then gets really annoyed when he finds out she did sleep with his best friend after all. Yeah. None of his business. Yeah, odd scene, odd scene. Especially if he did the same Exactly, he did. Yeah. Hypocrite. But like a day before, yes. as opposed to 20 years before. He didn't really reflect on that, did he? Mm. Um, but yeah, the, but the, the film's definitely like objectified him as well because it made me get really confused about the passage of time because there was a scene towards the end when she shows up and she's still wearing that Christmas... How much time was she in that Christmas dress for? A lot. Yeah, so it got, is it still the same day? Like... Well, they're, well, they're Thanksgiving, then that leads yeah. through to Christmas. That's the whole festive season. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You can wear that kind of dress that whole time. 
Yeah, I guess maybe she just only had that one dress. Like, she was a struggling yeah. actress. She could afford yeah. one non-Christmas dress, one Christmas dress. Yes, yeah, that's, that, that's her whole wardrobe, <laughs> yeah. I did enjoy the advert she did for General Spears. Oh, with the bear. Yeah. That bear was creepy. Yeah, I did not like that yeah. bear. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he, he didn't look nice. There was something about his eyes mm. that just was scary. And sucking the heads off fish. What's that about? <laughs> I don't think that's a real beer, I assume. I would hope not. Well, yeah. if it is, it's not going to sell anything. Gennaro's pure drinking pleasure. I prefer Gennaro's, but what do I know? I'm a bear. I suck the heads off fish. Gennaro's. <laughs> I know what I mean with the drama and the comedy elements kind of not quite gelling all the time. There was a lot of very jarring jumps from one to the other. Like the scene where the girl in the purple wig gets shot. The Ramona Flowers wig. Yeah, yeah, the Ramona Flowers wig from Scott Pilgrim, exactly, yeah. And then suddenly the film stops for this really sad moment where he looks into this girl's eyes and watches her die. Oh, and then yeah. But yeah. she tries to say something to him and he, he denies her her last words. Yeah. He didn't have another option, no. His option was to deny her last yeah. words and then frame her for and the then, murder I, of this other man. Yeah. Well, he, he avenged her, then framed her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but one scene we haven't talked about that I really enjoyed. Towards the end of the film, uh, Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. are being tortured mm-hmm. and as Harry referenced in the intro what happens is Robert Downey Jr. has electrodes attached to his testicles and is electrocuted repeatedly and Val Kilmer saves the day by revealing he has a tiny tiny gun hidden in his balls do you say in his crotch just, like, just in his pants in, yeah like, the front yeah. of his pants and so you have an amazing scene of Val Kilmer literally shooting a guy with his with his crotch yeah pointing his crotch at people who's shooting which is a chair it's really funny now one thing I thought about while sitting down, with your hand in your pocket, yeah. can you reach your crotch? Or was he operating the gun with something else? Oh, like a some kind of stick or something. I meant his penis. With his penis. Oh, all right. <laughs> I love it when you don't glug onto things. Well, there, if there was one shot, I'd still probably say probably not. But he shot. He fired a lot of shots from yeah. that crotch gun. He'd have to really have good penis control at that moment. Maybe he does. Who knows? So are you saying he has to like give himself a hard on and then just like swing it around a little bit like I'm sure he's practiced yeah clearly <laughs> but to point to aim it as well that's hard it's really hard work that's risky risky business it's an art <laughs> yeah come on Torelio look me in the eyes and tell me you've never been with a man fuck you Marty God fuck yeah, that's what you want isn't it you want to fuck me don't you stop helping come over here stop helping why can't you say it if you're not gay just say so fuck you Marty <laughs> Harry look at him he can't even say it why can't you just say I can't it? wait to have you as a patient. I bet you can. I can't believe this. This is what you want right here. Shut up! Take a look. Shut Take a look. Up. You want some of this right here? Look at this. Huh? How about some of this? Shut up! Homophobes never check there. Thank God you had a gun in there for a second. I thought it was like a gay thing. Like somehow you guys could do that. Sorry. People take a lot of physical abuse in this film, particularly Harry. Yeah. Lots of, Harry, and also the corpse. Well, yeah, it's got very, the film's got a very slapstick sensibility it at does. times. It does. It felt to me like a, a neo-noir mixed with the Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. At times, like, yeah. that real, like, cartoon vibe to it. So he loses a finger. Michelle Monaghan slams a door on his finger and it just falls off. The finger is then eaten by a dog. He's brutally beaten early in the film when he tries to rescue Michelle Monaghan from being groped in her sleep. He has his testicles electrocuted repeatedly for some time. And at the end, he gets shot 
He gets shot at the, at the end of the well, film. Well, per- Perry takes a bullet for him, but he also gets hit. He also gets hit because he, he thinks the book has stopped it. and then he Which is, which is has, nice, a nice yeah. subversion yeah. of a cliche. Like, and then he realizes it's gone through the book and it has actually gone through into his chest. But mm. uh, he, like, he lives, obviously. But yeah, he really takes a lot of... Well, the, the, the end of the film, before you get to like the kind of epilogue, mm. is just the three characters all lying almost dead. Mm. Yeah. And I did wonder, because this film's like 12 years old and it doesn't have a sequel, I thought, oh, is it going to end with them all dying? That'd be a cool twist. But then, obviously, it, it did not. <laughs> but the film kind of does have a sequel when you think about it. Uh-huh. Oh, God, what have you got? Well, no, no, because in about 2016, you've got a Shane Black-directed L.A. set film about a tough guy and a charming loser who team up to solve a mystery with the aid of a porn film. And it's The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and... What's his face? Crow. Like, so oh, Crow is this a get out being John Malkovich scenario? But it? it's a very similar film. Okay. I mean, obviously, it's the same guy and he's mm-hmm. got a style... But I'm sure one bit you see a young detective or something like that whose name is Perry, which okay. I think is supposed to be a little... Mm. Um, but The Nice Guys definitely feels to me to be a spiritual sequel to... Oh, I've not seen that. I've not seen to that. Either, yeah. And it's kind of like this film, but it's slightly better done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, I know you said this film almost makes it there. Mm-hmm. I think The Nice Guys gets a bit closer. Yeah. Yeah, it's got, it's got slightly less issues. It's still kind of that kind of all over the case plot, mm-hmm. but it's just a bit more together. And so if anyone hasn't seen The Nice Guys, it's on Netflix. It's, okay. it's, it's very worth watching. Especially if you like this and you haven't seen that, mm-hmm. then I'd recommend it. So, should we get into drinking games? Uh, yes, let's. Drink for angry door slamming. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. double drink if someone loses a digit. But just in general, there's, there's just a lot of angry door slamming in this film. Yeah, yeah. Come on! Get out of no, my no, life! I'm at the airport, right? And I run into Flicka and she just got stuck. Did I just cut off? Cut off your finger? Yeah. It's on the floor to my periphery. I don't want to see it. Pick it up. Put it on ice. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Thanks. Uh, drink every time someone acts homophobic. Mm. Drink Sorry. uncomfortably. Yeah. <laughs> drink for any reference to Christmas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Merry Christmas. Sorry I fucked you over. No problem. Don't quit your gay job. This was a minor runner I enjoyed, actually. Drink for grammar discussions. Is that? I don't remember any. It was like, I feel badly. You mean you feel bad? Uh, Oh, yeah. And then it comes up again. And it's like... Picture a bullet in your head. Picture a bullet in your head. Oh, that's a great one with other... If you look up in the dictionary, the definition of the word idiot. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a great like. You can tell the director of the film is a writer. It's a very yeah. written joke, yeah. but it's a very funny joke. Yeah, yeah. What will you see? Yeah, there's lots of them. There's lots of little grammar jokes, and I really like that because I like a grammar joke. I'm an English graduate. I love a grammar joke. Get out. Sorry about the gun. Whatever. Out. Go. Sleep badly. Any questions? Hesitate to call. Bad. Excuse me. Sleep bad. Otherwise, it makes it seem like the mechanism that allows you to sleep. What? Is- Fuckhead badly's an adverb. Who taught you grammar? Get out. Vanish. Drink every time you wonder what happened to Michelle Monaghan. Like, where is she? She did, like, that same sort of period. She did Source Code. She did MI3. This. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure what happened to her. But she was... She was oh, in life. I thought you meant in the film, because she does disappear for long stretches of the drink, film. Drink. Drink. Both. Both. No. Oh, that's a good point, yeah, because she didn't really do much after this though, um, so, no. I haven't kept, haven't kept track but she might no, have been no. successful in something she's probably in some Netflix series everybody is yeah. so. <laughs> good luck to her yeah <laughs> indeed drink whenever they break the fourth wall okay I say they I mean yeah RDJ yes when well, he talks about the editing and 
comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Solid one. Mom's gone, so it's just him and his born-again little bundle of joy. Born-again? That's precious. Isn't it, though? Three months ago, she was suing him over Mom's millions. He called her a... well, a bad word. Cunt. Welcome to Hollywood. Okay. I apologize. That is a terrible scene. It's like, why was that in the movie? Gee, you think maybe it'll come back later? Maybe? I hate that. A TV's on talking about the new power plant. Hmm. Wonder where the climax will happen. Or that shot of the cook in Hunt for Red October. So anyway, sorry. And yeah, and drink whenever something bad happens to that corpse. That poor disrespected corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She gets shot in the head. She gets weed on. Mm-hmm. She urinated on, which again was pretty funny. Chucked out of a window. The chucked out of a window. Yeah, falls over a bridge. Has to, I, did you think her arm was going to come off? Did you think? Yeah, that was yeah. Going? You are kind of waiting for the snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it was a weird showdown. Him hanging mm. from this dead body's hand above a bridge, mm-hmm. and he gets to do some fast gun work and just start. Yeah. It just ends. He's like, "Well, I might as well just kill everyone." Yeah. If did you feel like at the ending, that ending was quite abrupt? Yeah. It was like, oh, they're dead now. Like, the villains were very, like, on. He was barely on screen. Like, the main villain. This is what yeah. I mean about his heart. Yeah, because the, the old man was the in old man is in, like, two scenes. Old and he's not the main villain. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it felt like the ending was quite a bit. But I guess, like you said, it's, it, this film is about the journey, not the destination. So. Yeah. Well, I could say, drink every time you lose track of the plot. Oh, gosh. Yes. 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 Or the, the drinking might not help, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> drink water every time you lose yes. track of the plot. Yeah. <laughs> just to, to balance it out. Yeah. Pause the film and make some cliff notes every time you lose mm. track of the plot. <laughs> Uh, that's me done okay same same okay cool lovely um, before we move on to our sequels there's one more thing I do want to discuss that we haven't I want to see if you two picked up on this too so this film ended and the credits rolled and you know so I was kind of you know when the credits roll I, I tend to like check out but I, I didn't turn it off I kept it running and so I just like played with my phone and the credits roll and there's this song playing and I noticed this song I was like my god this song is terrible it is awful it's so distractingly bad and it, it was this like Sub sting kind of worldy musicy meets rock bollocks ballad. It was terrible, and it really didn't fit. You, I know where you're going. Yeah, right? it really didn't fit at all with the style of the film. And I was like, why? What is this song? And why have they chosen this of all things? Because mm-hmm. I didn't recognise it to be at the end of the film. So I waited for the song credits to come at the very end of the credits, and uh, this song was written by and performed by Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> great so obviously he took this film for very little money and oh, he, have to check that and out he was like yeah I'll be on it but I, I, I want to sing over the credits like, yeah. it is which isn't garbage. something you get a lot in films no, no, outside no. of Jackie Chan yeah. is, he, is he trying to be Will Smith he wasn't rapping I mean okay. dear god but, um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the story all about how my life got turned upside down <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a rapper <laughs> da, da, yeah. Da. Yeah. But yeah, I found that quite funny because it was it was a real terrible, terrible song, in my opinion. Oh wow, God. Cool, okay. Uh, sequels, do you want me to go first? Or do you want to, would you rather, do you mind? Oh, I'll go first. You sure? Yeah, mine's only really quite short this week, unless you want to go first, Chris. No, no, no. No, no, guests always in the middle, that's our rule. <laughs> the guest sandwich. Yes. <laughs> so mine is actually, well, it's a series of different ideas. Okay. Rather than one big one. It's just all the what-ifs for, well, this film had a lot of coincidences, didn't it? Sure. Definitely. 
Now, what if each of these coincidences went the other way around? Oh, okay. So I come up with a different idea for each one. Okay. So it starts off with a film called Bang. <laughs> the film about two robbers who get caught, get shot at once, the bullet goes through the first guy and into the other guy's chest, and they both die. Oh, so that's the, in, the, in the early scene when they're robbing from the toy store. Yeah. So Robert Downey Jr. dies in the first scene. Yeah. Okay, cool. Second film, Bang, Jail. The film about the robber whose partner gets shot, he runs from the cops into the back of the first building he finds, which happens to be a police precinct. Because <laughs> in the film he runs into an audition room. They think he's the actor who's turned up to audition, and it just so happens the scene is about someone whose partner's just been killed and who feels responsible. Mm-hmm. So he, has a, he starts reading the script to kind of blend in. And then realises it is it actually his life and has this massive breakdown and they go, wow, this guy improvs really well. But it's also a good sort of meta joke because obviously yeah. he was known for being troubled and being in, in trouble with the law. Yeah. And it's kind of like, was he being an artist or was he just being like a crim? I don't yeah. know. You know, it feels like there's, it, yeah. it feels perfect casting. Uh-huh. As you said, because he's one of the highlights of the film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Cool, good one. Oh, no, no, we're not ready for you yet, sir. Will you please go back out, wait with the others? Grace, do me a favor. Let's just take him. He's ready. You ready, right? You ready? Okay, come on. You know the setup? Got any questions? He's got no questions. Look at him. Let's go. Come on. Let's read. Where is he? Where's Raphael? Where is he? Where is he? Um, uh, beat up on me all night. You want me to give up my partner? You can go spit. Quit acting like the good guy jerk off. You got your partner killed. He was in over his head. You knew it. You may as well have pulled the trigger. You killed him. No, I, I didn't. I didn't kill him. He wanted in. Why? I didn't want him to come in, and he insisted. I said, "You got to stay at home." But he doesn't listen. He's such a stupid son of a bitch. Uh, I killed him, didn't I? See, this is what I'm talking about. Old school method. Studio. Brando, put this in the pouch to LA and get me Gabe Perry on the phone. Uh, Next one's called Bang Bang, the film about a robber who gets in a bit over his head with a very convoluted plot, but also who never bumps into any old school friends at random parties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good one. Bang Bang, case unresolved. Rob Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer are working on a case, follow their only lead to a lake in the middle of nowhere, only to find nothing because the car was a little bit inefficient and turns up 10 seconds late. <laughs> Very good. Kiss, kiss, but no bang. RDJ doesn't really get anywhere with what's a face because there was no convenient boob spider. <laughs> oh, that was a strange scene. <laughs> it was odd. It was a funny bit of like physical comedy, I guess, but it was really having its cake and easing it again, which this does a lot by really objectifying Michelle Monaghan so much, but also kind of joking about it and commenting on it at the same time, which is still kind of objectifying it. But yeah, so that's the scene where a spied, he's putting her to bed and obviously wearing like a low cut top or something. And yeah, so he's looking at her breasts and he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be a gentleman. And then he sees a spider crawl into her cleavage, basically. And, uh, yeah. But he kills the spider because he's a gentleman. Yeah. But yeah. Of course, it, hilariously, it looks as though he's just fondling her breasts. Yeah. Good. Next one's called Kiss Kiss Bang No Bang. Um, kiss Kiss Bang No Bang. Bang No Bang. Okay. Wow. Uh, the body which turns up in his hotel, they throw it off the roof and it lands in the bin first time as opposed to just bouncing out of it and even closes the lid with its impact. They both think, you know what, that'll do. <laughs> and the next morning, the bin had emptied the bin without notes in the body, which had then crushed and incinerated. Ah, great. Mm. Kiss No Kiss Bang Bang. Gosh, these are getting to be a mouthful. <laughs> 
It sounded like you put like famous song titles through Google Translate or something. <laughs> she doesn't chop off his finger, but instead slams the door against his wrist, causing, oh, a, fra- no. causing a fracture, okay. but leaving him able to take care of himself. She oh. feels no guilt or sympathy, but continues telling him to go away <laughs> at the end of their relationship. Kiss, kiss, bang, 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 bang. The owner of the natural stand doesn't have a gun, and so Val Kilmer and <laughs> that other bad guy... They start having a massive gunfight, which ends up in a car chase. Probably a lot of police involved, and maybe even bigger guns. Maybe there's a bazooka in the, in the back of somebody's car. Uh, ends up, they both die. Kiss, kiss, bang, death. When the pink-haired girl gets in the car, she notices Robert Downey Jr. in the back, struggling with his finger, not really conscious. She dumps him on the side of the road, bumping his head quite badly. Uh, nobody finds him in time, and he dies on the street. Oh, bleak. Very bleak. Mm. Uh, and my last one, my favourite one. Okay. Click, 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 bang. Okay. In the parking lot, the gun doesn't go off until the fourth time, and it turns out the guy really actually doesn't know anything about the girl, Okay. but still dies on the fourth round anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> Can I propose one more that just sure. me? How about kiss, kiss, sillet bang? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he doesn't get the job as the... Police detective, but instead gets a lucrative job advertising surface cleaning polish. Yeah. Nice. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> End of film. Yeah. <laughs> of course, will be cleaning up after uh, where bodies are left. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe start to clean. Yeah, that would work. Cool. Yeah, I thought they were all good. Very interesting. Um, Thank you. Some good options there. Good punnage. We always enjoy a bit of punnage on this yeah. show. <laughs> Do you want to go? Yeah, well, speaking of punnage, I read Michelle Monaghan said, if there was a sequel to this film, it should be called Kiss Kiss Gang Bang. Right, good idea. <laughs> Wasn't the title I went with, but it's some 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 nice pun work. Okay. Mine I went with Ding Dong and Dynamite. Ding Dong and Dynamite, my yep. god. Okay. So current day, same casts. Mm-hmm. And we begin with Perry's wedding to a young guy named Alexander. Okay. Who's Dutch. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was thinking uh, a lot of times you get films where characters seem to be sort of gay in name only, that mm. it's kind of we're told they are that's that's as far as the characterization goes. Yeah. That could potentially be the case here where he's literally called Gay Perry. Yeah. So I figured I wanted to do some of his character. I wanted to give him a bit more uniqueness, right? So he's he's it's his wedding. He's totally loved up and is elated for his big day. His two best people are going to be Harry and Harmony. And so Harry's still working with him as a detective, private eye type mm-hmm. thing. Harmony writes crime novels because mm-hmm. that seems to be quite big these days. But on the wedding night... In the wee hours, Perry's new husband dies. Heart problem, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Right? Understandably, Perry is completely broken by this. And so Iceman from Top Gun is taken on a trip from the guy from the Wonder Boys and the lady from Gone Baby Gone. Mm-hmm. They get on a plane to get him out of his funk. They're en route to Europe, but due to a freak snowstorm, they're downed in New York. So the film's mainly going to take place in New York because mm-hmm. I figured it's a good thing in the sequels is reversals of locations. So they Don't were... West yeah. Coast to the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. And Downey's from... Downey's character is from New York. And there, so we okay. I flipped it. Yeah. In the style of uh, Rush Hour 2 where they go from where Chris Tucker's from to where Jackie Chan's character's from. It's a good... Something I quite like in sequels, the flip. So they're in New York, right? And in the airport, because it's Christmas, that's why there's snow. Shane mm-hmm. Black is Christmas. And Perry sees his dead husband walk by. Ooh. Mystery, right? Mystery. Mm-hmm. So he just takes off. Did we see your dead body before? Yes. Okay. 
So he just takes off in pursuit. Mm-hmm. So he's going to spend the film trying to track down this walking corpse. And his friends are trying to track him down. Mm. But as they do, they get caught up in uh, a lot of the mess Harry left behind in New York. Uh, he's got debts. He's got enemies. And Harmony's sort of shocked by his life of crime and drugs and lounge singing. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and so, so he's got to convince her that he's not the man he was. That's their, their plot. Right. About her being exposed to the real Harry or the old Harry. Mm-hmm. He may also find himself strapped with dynamite up his ass because <laughs> I put dynamite in the title and I couldn't sure. quite work out where to put it sure. uh, well, as it were the, the <laughs> is, uh, yeah. so he, so he asked her like you know they have to cut the green wire cut the blue <laughs> wire there's one of those scenes but the dynamite is there uh, feels like something Shane Black would do yeah well there's a scene in one of the lethal weapons where somebody's on the toilet and it's a bomb yeah so it's a bit like that but a bit more base yeah hmm so Perry thinks he sees Alex a few fleeting times as a chase and the like. Mm-hmm. But he also finds out he's got no money in his accounts. Right, okay. Uh, him and his friends track down this lookalike. And it turns out, A, it is his ex-husband. Well, his husband. B, he's not actually Dutch. He's from Southampton. <laughs> nice. C, places. he's alive and faked his death with some sort of thing people inject. To oh, make okay, sure, yeah. And D, he'd been fleecing Perry of his cash and investments. Oh, no. I like how the third thing you came up with was he's actually alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to work out where to place these things. <laughs> and so uh, Val Kilmer, he's got to acknowledge that he's been a bit of a foolish guy. He's become this ageing cliche, which he maybe once made fun of. Yeah. And now they've caught Alexander. He wants to make him pay slash get his money back. So him and Harry play a little game. Of Russian roulette. Oh no. And several empty shots later, <laughs> it works. The guy does like a transfer back or something like that. But Harry is shocked to learn that Perry put a bullet in the chamber. It didn't go off, but he put one in there. Right, okay. And so they've learned their lessons, money's back, they're headed home on a plane, and the plane is again grounded. Cyclone, maybe. The plane is landed in Iowa or wherever Harry and Harmony are from. Mm-hmm. And third film would be set there. And I'd actually give Harmony something to do in the third film because they didn't and I didn't really. Okay. Shame on you. <laughs> yeah. But third film, okay. that's, that's, her, that's her jam. Oh, so is it like the current Star Wars trilogy? The first one was the Robert Downey Jr. film. Yeah. This, that one was the Val Kilmer film. The next yeah. one was the Michelle Monaghan film. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I like it. Yeah, good. Mm. Very good. Cool. I can see that working. What was it called again? Ding dong and dynamite. Ding dong and ding dynamite. Like ding dong, like the wedding bells. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dynamite because it was illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> and so I put, I had the title before I worked out where to use the dynamite. Always the best way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so move on to my one now. So in a nice little bit of uh, synergy, my sequel was kind of inspired by an episode of your podcast, Easy Riders Raging Podcast, that I was listening to the other day mm-hmm. about another film. I won't tell you which one, but um, consequently. You might figure out quite quickly where this is going, but, you know, keep the surprise. I won't. I'm not going to... By all means... Will I figure this out? I don't think you'll have seen what I'm riffing on. Okay. I I don't think you'll need to to understand what's happening, but I think pretty early you're going to be like, oh, that's what you're doing. And by all means, comment, but don't, Mm, you know... Sure. Don't ruin it, you know? Because last week, somebody ruined my story quite early, so... (laughs) <laughs> before it happened that never happens yeah. it never happens it's about 10 minutes into the episode I know I was well chuffed so anyway my sequel is called Who's Afraid of Gay Perry I know where it's going yeah yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Harry's looking blank 
Mm. I'm pretty sure you've not seen the film I'm referencing here. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? No. Similar, no, 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 similar no, no, no. sounding. Okay, I will continue. Okay. okay. Basically, this is a riff on the film Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, which mm. you featured recently. Mm-hmm. Which Whatever I've... happened to Baby Jane? No, no I just said who, who's <laughs> who's afraid of Virginia Wolf. It's a '60s melodrama. Who's Virginia Wolf? Well, she's, she's a, a, a writer, but she's not in the film. It's confusing, but never mind. The point is, let me tell my story. All right. So, <laughs> when thinking about how to follow the story, I was really fascinated by the idea of Harry as the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Because the film's constantly undercutting itself. It's always commenting on the fact that it's a film. And he's constantly saying, oh, that's not really how it happened. Or that is how it happened. He's re- he, he has the power to rewind and edit. Yeah, he's like, shit, I'm a bad narrator. Yeah. Let's wind back. Oh, didn't I mention that? Yeah. So you think what's real and what isn't. So that, that kind of made me think a little bit. And so... Hence this idea came. So it's a direct sequel. Sometime after the events of the original film, it could be ten years later to make up for the fact that the actors have aged, or but it doesn't have to. It does. It, it, it's not really relevant, particularly how long it's been. But it's just sometime after the original film, Harry and Perry are still working together, and we open with Perry, gay Perry, who is gay, pacing around his apartment, uh, looking mildly agitated. After a few minutes, Robert Downey Jr. staggers in, and he seems drunk. So gay Perry Val Kilmer says, uh, "Where the hell have you been?" And uh, Harry, kind of bleary-eyed, says, I was staking out the party like you asked me to. I've given myself a lot of dialogue and my voice isn't great this week. It's not, 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 not the best. Let's I see. believe in you. Okay, I'll power through. So yeah, he's like, where, where, where the hell have you been? And Robert Downey Jr. says, uh, I was staking out the party like you asked me to. And uh, so Perry's like, well, anything? And uh, RBD says, uh, yeah, it was very enlightening, in fact. And then there's a buzz at the door and he says, very quickly, I invited a couple of potential clients back for a nightcap. So he opens the door and a younger couple walk in, played by some actors maybe in their early 30s. I, I just put down Donald Glover and Scarlett Johansson. Doesn't really matter. Just sure a cool thing. Co- it, it works. Everyone Good. likes him. Yeah. So Perry is furious. But... He is also a gay gay man, and so you know, being a good host is in his bones. So uh, he, uh, does he cook some peri peri chicken? Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, good, yeah. I uh, once wanted to have a scene in Nando's in mind where I could use that, nah. but there's no Nando's in New York as far as I'm aware. No, I don't think it's crossed over. So anyway, as a gay man, he has to be a good host. Is what we do. So he um, fixes the couple of drink reluctantly and you know tries to be polite. However, he also kind of very unsubtly grabs Harry, pulls him to one side, and hisses at him. What do you think you're doing inviting these people back here? And Harry replies, relax, he's some super rich scientist and he thinks someone might have murdered his partner. This could be a big money case. So uh, they start talking with their guests, but it's increasingly awkward because Perry is still furious at Harry and they can't resist just sniping back and forth at each other. Much like they do in the film, there's a lot of them bitching at Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And at one point, uh, Donald Glover, uh, who we'll call Nick, so his character's called Nick, (laughs) um, says, so you two live together? Um, I've got to be honest, I didn't realise you swung that way. And um, Harry says, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's purely a temporary measure. My girlfriend's out of town at the moment. You should see her though. Huge breasts, legs like a gazelle, the eyebrows of an ethnically ambiguous dragon queen. She's got the package. She is hot. He wouldn't say any of that. Well, I don't know. I I was trying to write as Robert Downey Jr. I don't think it worked. If you're writing as Iron Man, as Tony Stark, then yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, just just go with it. Go with it. Sorry. Sorry. I'm picking up on things like that. So Perry rolls his (laughs) heart. Perry rolls his eyes and pours another drink. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I just want to tell you, he's worked for our, the Black Widows come around to Tony Stark's house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, love to say that was deliberate. It was not. So as they get drunker through the night, Harry continues to kind of taunt Perry. And by doing that thing he did in the original film, we're claiming everything he ever said or did was just like super gay. So every sentence he says, he's like, you know, he walks like a gay, he talks like a gay. He's just a big gay gay. 
I'm like, that's the gayest sentence I've ever said. That's the gayest drink you've ever poured. This is the gayest walk you've ever walked. You know, all that kind of stuff. Just constant needling, needling, needling at him. And, you know, Perry ignores him at first. He just, like, brushes off. This happens all the time. But eventually he snaps and he just angrily smashes a bottle on the table. And so it's like everyone's shocked. And the young couple are stunned. And the woman, Scarlett Johansson, who we're going to call Honey, she runs to the bathroom to vomit. Nick and Honey. Nick and Honey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Carry on. She runs to the bathroom to throw up because she's very drunk as well. They've turned mm-hmm. up drunk. Uh, so Perry walks outside to cool off and Nick, the young man, this Donald Glover, follows mm-hmm. him and he's, he apologises. He's a, a bit more together than his wife, girlfriend. Uh, and he says, look, I'm really sorry if us being here is causing you guys tension. And he says, no, this Perry says, no, no, it's fine. It's not you. It's just that Harry's a complete asshole. You and your... <laughs> <laughs> You and your wife seem lovely. I'm sorry you're having to witness this. And Donald Glover admits that Honey is not actually his wife. She's actually a prostitute that he used to hire to take to parties to make himself look cool. Mm-hmm. But then she ended up never leaving and they ended up like, now they're kind of a couple, but he's embarrassed about it. He's too embarrassed to dump her. Mm-hmm. He's afraid she'll tell people, so he doesn't really respect her. So she's just kind of this prostitute, basically. Anyway, so they have this little bonding moment and they go back inside where Harry is now dancing very flirtatiously with Honey. They're kind of slow dancing, there's music playing, etc. He's grinding against her. Is the music his singing? Yeah, let's say it is, yeah. Let's oh. say it's some awful... Yeah, this is ruined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's really incongruous, but he thinks it's super sexy. He's like, and she's like really drunk and she's kind of into it. So they're just inappropriately sexy dancing in the middle of the apartment. Mm-hmm. So Nick, Donald Glover says, suggests, you know, we've outstayed our welcome. You're drunk. It's definitely time to go home. But Perry refuses to let them pay for another cab because he feels bad about the situation. And as the least drunk of the four at this point, he offers to drive them back to where they live, to their home. So the four of them jump into Val Kilmer's car and set off driving through LA. And on the way, they pass a small nightclub. And Honey, who is now absolutely wasted, demands that they go in because she wants to dance. So she jumps out of the car and Harry agrees and they both run into this nightclub. And Nick and Perry reluctantly follow. This nightclub is actually about to kick out. It's it's like the early hours of the morning at this point, so it's Mm -hmm. empty. But uh, Harry slips the barman a few hundred dollars to stay open just for them which they do so they've basically got the bar to themselves mm-hmm. so once again him and Honey are soon um, dancing sexily and very provocatively together while Perry and Nick just sit at the bar glumly knocking back drinks getting drunker and drunker and angrier and angrier eventually Perry just snaps again walks over to the sound system and just yanks the wires out he's like it's time to go this party's over so Harry who's now hammered complains that Perry never lets him have any fun so he gets very angry he gets very angry too and he's like he gets very resentful he's like did I ever tell you that he's the reason I lost my fucking finger and he holds up his mangled right hand you know his missing index finger Mm -hmm. and then Perry kind of says uh, oh I thought your beautiful girlfriend did that to you and Harry kind of throws him a a dirty look and says oh you think you're so fucking clever and then he kind of spits and he storms out with honey in tow and they jump into Perry's car and drive off leaving Nick and Perry stranded at the bar Mm mm-hmm so Perry furiously hails a cab, jumps in, and Nick kind of haplessly follows him, jumps in as well. By the time they get back to Perry's apartment again, which is where Harry has taken Honey, they see that Perry's car has been crashed into the driveway. It's you know, parked completely wrong, into a hedge or something, because mm-hmm. they're drunk driving. And they walk into the apartment, and they find Honey is sat on the sofa, half naked, and she's crying. And Harry's kind of sat on the couch with his head in his hands. And Honey kind of goes, Nick, it's a Donald Glover. She goes, Nick, baby, I just want to go home. And she runs to, into her increasingly confused boyfriend's arms. And then Perry looks at the scene and says, let me guess, couldn't get it up, could you? And, um, and Harry's like, fuck you, man. I just realised that I couldn't cheat on my beautiful, sexy girlfriend. <laughs> and, and then Perry kind of gives him a snarling look and he goes, about that. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. And he's like, what? And he's like, 
I got a call earlier. I was going to tell you, but you didn't give me an opportunity. Harmony got into a car accident today. She's dead. And uh, rather than get upset, Harry gets furiously angry. And he says, fuck you. You don't get to do that. We agree that you don't get to do that. It's unfucking fair It cheating. You don't, get, you don't get to make that decision. Mm, you know what's going on, do you? Yeah. <laughs> so he's like... <laughs> he's like I, I'm, I'm lost. Yeah. So Perry's like, plays the innocent. He says, what decision? It was a terrible accident. It's nothing to do with me. So Harry's just furious. He's like, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck you and your fucking mind games. And then suddenly Nick, Donald Glover, has a moment of realisation. And he realises what's going on. And he goes, my God, you made her up. There never was a harmony, was there? And Harry slumps back into his armchair, defeated. And Perry puts his hand on his shoulder. And um, we, we, then we get flashbacks to the original film. So now I'm going to explain what's happening for people who are as lost as you. <sighs> right. Okay. So I was really struck by the fact that the original Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was all through Harry's eyes because he's on a narrator. Mm-hmm. There's only one scene that he's not part of that he doesn't witness when he's in the back of the car. Mm-hmm. But otherwise he's everywhere. And he's the link between the other two characters. So now we're going to see flashbacks through that re-show scenes from the original film and reveal that... In that film, Harmony never existed. Michelle Monaghan's character never existed. Right. And actually what happened was that Harry came to LA, met Perry at a party, at the LA party. They ended up getting drunk and hooking up. Harry, this was Harry's first gay experience, and so he panicked because he was, very, he was very deep in the closet and hadn't really come to terms with his bisexuality or anything. So you know, they probably like started snogging or something. And then at the last minute, he panicked, and he ended up running away and sleeping with a random woman instead. Mm-hmm. Much like the bit in the film where he's chatting up Michelle Monaghan and then sleeps with her friend. Mm-hmm. Is that not Flicker? No, I can't remember. Flicker, her name was, yeah. Which made me, always makes me think of horses. Yeah, yeah, my friend Flicker. My friend yeah. Flicker, yeah. So he abandons the scene and he sleeps with this random woman. But then the next day he feels very conflicted. You know, this has opened up a whole new world that he's never really allowed himself to think about before. And so he ends up going back to Perry's apartment to kind of, he wants to talk about what happened the night before. Perry's not happy that he abandoned him. So they have a big fight in which he slams the door on Robert Downey Jr.'s finger, mm-hmm. lo- losing the finger. So that all happens as well. So basically, as Harry is coming to terms with all this kind of shame and confusion and desire and all these kind of conflicting emotions, also his panic about being perceived as gay, which is a big issue for him. Because I felt like the thriller film, all of his like, that's gay, that's gay, that's gay stuff. And the fact that he literally wretches when he kisses Valkyrie. It was very gay panic. Mm-hmm. He, was, so he, was, he was very afraid of being perceived as homosexual. So he invents the character of Harmony, this kind of sexually voracious and physically perfect, really sexualized woman, who nevertheless he is strangely resistant to sleeping with. Because it does take him a long time to actually sleep with her. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, so he invents Harmony in his own mind, basically. Pretty much all the scenes we see with Harmony in the original film are actually happening with Perry. And some of the others are just fantasy scenes. So there's going to be scenes with Perry in the sort of Santa dress? Yes, maybe. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing, because the scene where they're at the party and she's in the Santa dress, and then Val Kipp's character just appears. And it's like, how, where did he come from? How do you know they're in that party? Like, there were lots of moments when he just appeared. And I was, that was when I started thinking, hmm, what if they were the same character? And mm-hmm. so all came from that. So, yeah, so essentially we find out that Perry and Harmony were one and the same for the whole film. And all the things that happened with Harmony actually happened with Perry. And actually Perry was the childhood friend, except it was a boy back in their, you know, sexually confused teens. They, maybe they had a little thing and he repressed it and not thought about it. And all the memories are coming back, etc. He was the magician's assistant. He went, I'm an actress. Like, you know, <laughs> like the idea that Valka was really camp from the beginning. Like, and even, so then we, it was when we get to the flashback where they go back home, when, you know, the bit where Val Kilmer's character confronts Harmony's dad? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's actually confronting his own father. Oh, that's quite clever. Because mm. he seemed emotionally invested in that and he doesn't yeah. know, he doesn't know from Adam. Yeah. So, so it was like, yeah, actually. That, that weird ending. Yeah, very film. strange ending, yeah. Do you yeah. remember the bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, 
strong. Well, you think he's going to shoot the old man, but instead he just goes, yeah, big, strong man, or big, big boy, he big, strong boy. He gives him a couple of slaps. He gives him a bit of slap. Yeah. He's like, yeah, big, strong boy. Yeah. Fucker. If I could get out of this bed. Yeah? Well, you can't. Oh, you bastard. Oh, man, the cat defend himself. Big, tough guy. Yeah, that's right. Big, tough guy. Yeah, so basically, Harry has created the character of Harmony as a way of hiding his his own feelings for Perry mm-hmm. and the fact that he's, he's in a same-sex relationship. And he's now, obviously, at the end of the film, he, he apparently he was working with and seems to have moved in with uh, Val Kilmer. Maybe he was where you had... Well, uh, weren't they in the office? Was it an office? It felt I don't know. a little bit like a, a kitchen to me. Maybe. I don't know. And yeah, they were just very touchy with each other because he was like he was holding his hand over his mouth. It just seemed very mm. sweet and flirty. So I was like, well, maybe there's something here. Well, so, they, yeah. they have the same kind of relationship as like uh, him and Jude Law in Sherlock Holmes. Where yes. They're, they're mm. friends, they bicker, but they're very couple-like. Yeah. There's the, yeah, that line in the trailer for Sherlock Holmes. She's like, oh, they've been bickering for hours. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and he's been living the lie ever since. He's been out in, in LA working as a detective with Perry, living with him but refusing to acknowledge it to the outside world. So he's never come out of the closet or acknowledged he's in a relationship with, with a man. Uh, he's continued this facade of having this really sexy girlfriend who just happens to be out of town at the moment. And um, yeah, so Nick and Tony, the young couple, he goes, man, that's fucked up. And then they just leave. They get, they get out and go. And then I guess Robert Downey Jr., Harry, he just, um, he starts crying and sobbing. He's like, how could you? How could you? You know, much like the end of Who's Afraid of... I've basically taken the plot of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf mm-hmm. and transposed it onto this film. So she starts crying and he... Val Kilmer, Gay Perry, takes him in his arms and he's like, I'm sorry, we, we can go back and he holds him and he, he sobs and then the credits roll and that's the end of Who's Afraid of Gay Perry. That's very well done, actually. I was very impressed. Thank you. Mm, very, you mentioned that from very wise. Yeah. You know, something, it, it took like no effort as well. Once the idea came, I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do that because I was listening to the episode. Oh, look at me, I'm John. It takes no effort to write anything. No, 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 so no, 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 easy. That's not what it I mean. It just comes so naturally. I don't know what it is. Well, I just, I just, I must be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean I didn't mean it like that, <laughs> Dick. What I meant was, yeah, basically, I was listening to your to the Easy Rider episode of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is a film I really like, and I was I was remembering, oh, it's a really good film. And at the same time, I was trying to think of my plot for my, my sequel mm-hmm. idea, and then I was thinking about how the whole gay Perry plotline was the most interesting thing to me, and you know, the the the, the, the gay panic in the film was kind of you know it, there. It's hard of, to ignore. Hard to ignore, yeah. So then I kind of thought, oh, I wonder, I wonder, and then I thought, and it's one of those things where it just perfectly fits. Once, you, once the idea came, all I had to do was literally, literally what I decided to you is the plot of in Virginia Woolf. It's not a gay story. It's an old married couple, man and woman, and a young married couple, and in, it, basically they, they keep talking about their son and they're fighting and bickering. They've got a toxic relationship, mm-hmm. and then he announces that their son has died, and she says, "You don't get to do that. That's not fair." And it turns out the son was something they invented. And uh, so it's basically that. So, yeah. So once once I got the idea, it was just like, oh, one easy week. I'm just going to write the plot of Virginia Woolf and change the names. <laughs> so yeah. Hmm? So yeah, that was uh, Who's Afraid of Gay Perry? Great. Any questions? Nope. Nope, not at all. Cool. So listen submissions. Great. Cool. Yeah, we have we've had a few this week. Once again, we had a lot of uh, plays on the title, which were quite funny. So I've just did anybody come up with anything as good as Kiss Kiss Bang No Bang or Kiss No Kiss Bang Bang? I'll let you be the judge. Here are some of my favourites. Uh, Vince Green suggested pregnancy, pregnancy, birth, birth. Uh, <laughs> Rob Farham came up with kiss to kiss to bang to bang. Okay, yeah, yeah. the number two. So you know, yeah, I see. Oh, good. Yeah. Is that is that with Paul Walker? Yes, sure. Why not? From beyond the grave. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the reanimated corpse of Paul Walker. Yeah. And Tyrese. Yeah. yeah. And Joe Herman came up with Smooch Smooch Boom Boom. Good. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the PG rated version. Smooch Smooch Boom Boom. <laughs> so other ideas. Uh, Matthew Siegel suggested Iron Man Free, but with running in character commentary from the Kiss Kiss Bang Bang crew. Mm. So I guess the Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Iron Man, if he, if he was able to pause the film and say, you know, mm-hmm. what was the point of that scene? You know, and rewind and re-edit. Mm-hmm. I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Heavy Metal Horrorcast at HMHcast. Their idea was the Kiss Fang Gang. And this is Harry and Perry have been hired to investigate a recent space of murders in New York City. Mm-hmm. The only connecting feature between them is two puncture marks in the neck. They found out that the glam rock band Kiss have been, <laughs> have been sired by Kiefer Sutherland's Lost Boys. Uh, Realising that they're out of their depths in this one, they call in the experts, the Frog Brothers. So there's a sequel to both this and the Lost Boys, which I like. Good crossover. Mm, I like Great. It. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bloatbusters, their idea was uh, Bang Bang Kiss Kiss, a story about a man falling in love with his high prostitute, played by Val Kilmer, apparently. So. Probably, yeah, yeah. Julio Oliveira, I, I apologise if I mispronounced that, Julio Oliveira, at Ovnio, O-V-N-I-O, Kiss Kiss What What, it's what. <laughs> W-A-T what as well. Uh, a reimagining of the original as a teen murder mystery. Harry's a slacker that accidentally teams up with a Veronica Mars-esque Perry in a high school scenario. It's like Brick, but cool. Okay. I thought Brick was pretty cool. Yeah, so this is even cooler than even Brick. Even cooler than Brick. Yeah. Have you seen Brick? No. On the list. Could you do all that, but in like a, a young Travi accent? Because guess what, what I do? Do you want what? me to read, read it out again in a Travi accent? See if you can. The whole, well, the whole thing. So read it out again in a... Uh, <laughs> um, I'll try and go back to my Scouse accent from childhood days. You know, re- regress. Bang bang kiss kiss. I can't. I, I can't do a Scouse accent even though I'm kiss, kiss what what wasn't it? Oh sorry. Kiss kiss what what? A reimagining of the original as a teen murder mystery. Ari's a slacker who accidentally teams up with a Veronica Mars esque Perry in an high school scenario. It's like brick, but cool. That's really good. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> Put it into your accents. Yeah. You know, a bit more characters around it. Yeah, yeah I might bring that back. That might be my big daddy. Yeah. Little chavvy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad's Own Cast, at Dad's Own Cast. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang 2, The Book of the Dead. Mm. Uh, Harry awakens to find everyone he cares about has been murdered. He realises that his tormented finger has been cursed and is now killing people. <laughs> he must find the Necronomicon to end the curse. But fast on his trail is the Deadite Hunter. So that's a crossover with Evil Dead, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. Evil Dead stuff. Yep, so... So is this finger passed through the dog and is now killing of its own accord, or is the finger controlling the dog? I think the finger's Ooh. gone rogue. Yeah, I think the finger has is very The, the finger is out of the bum hole. Yeah, okay. we, see, we see... I'm thinking not, this, is, this is just me adding on the, building on their idea. Maybe the, the, the opening shot, or maybe the last the shot of the original film should have been like a close-up on a piece of dog poo. And then the finger just kind of jumps out, jumps out like, like Carrie's hand at the end of Carrie. And, um, and then we just see it like uh, wandering around and like somehow killing people, yeah. Hmm? Just maybe it like chokes people by jumping into their mouths. Like, yeah. yeah. Have it washed itself first. Yeah. <laughs> 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 before killing them <laughs> but you, you're going to die you, you don't, don't want to die. die with a taste of shit in your mouth and, and a disembodied yeah. finger in your throat um, yeah. oh no lit class at oh no lit class pod their idea is la la land but with Harry and the gang in the background attempting to solve some terrible murder eventually they get involved with Sebastian and Mia in the main plot and much singing and dancing ensues Sebastian i.e. Ryan Gosling is obviously the murderer mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that's everything <laughs>
Good. That's yeah, a good idea, though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, if you have a sequel idea for uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, or any movies we've done in the past, or any films you'd like to see us do in the future, let us know. We all be on the box set. You can find us on uh, all good podcasting platforms. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast. And um, excitingly, we have just been added to Spotify as well, so you can now listen to us on Spotify. Yes. Um, you please hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday morning and if you really like the show please leave us a review because it really helps us to find new listeners if you'd like to get in touch with us we're available on all forms of social media including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Tumblr and Google Plus just search Beyond the Box Set or go to our website beyondtheboxset.com and that's all the spiel I think so next week do we have another guest? next week yeah we've got another guest too um, many guests too many guests too, well, is it though? Yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling Guests a bit are good. Crowded. It's been great to have you on. Oh, yeah, no, we appreciate you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, next week we're doing Black Swan. Ooh, that's going to be intense. Mm. And who's that? whose idea is that? That's my friend Ollie. Um, I'll uh, give him a proper introduction next week. Cool. So, tune in next week to hear uh, us joined by the mysterious Ollie for the film Black Swan, the Dan Aronofsky classic. Uh, and thank you, Chris, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Would you like to just do one more little plug for Easy Rider Raising Podcast before you go? Yeah, so my podcast, Easy Riders Raising Podcast. If you like classic films, we talk about 60s films and 70s films. Or even if you don't know many of those films and you feel like you should learn more, we do kind of... They're all kind of films you should see, that we advise you to see, that are worth checking out. So yeah, for classic film, podcastery, Easy Riders Raging Podcasts. We've got loads of fun features such as Recast Drama, where we recast a film with current actors, and Who Am I, where we work out who we would be if we were characters in that film. Yeah, and we, we will be on a forthcoming episode mm. um, about the 70s classic Saturday Night Fever which we're looking forward to hearing and it's great fun to be on and it's a great show you should definitely check it out Mm. and we are both part of the Britpod scene as well which is a podcast community of British podcasts so if you enjoy British accents uh, look look out for them (laughs) great cool so I guess we'll see you next week thanks again Chris for joining us thank you for having me yeah thank you very much see you all next week bye see you next week bye bye